Well, good morning, Celebration Church, especially all of our campuses, guys in Stevens Point and Appleton. Those of you joining us online, great to have everyone with us here this morning in Green Bay. If we could all stand up together wherever you're at, let's all say this together. This is who we are. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's all say this. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's great to have you with us. Uh, Pastor Mark, he is traveling over the next few weeks. So we've got a series that we are in called the Apostles' Creed, looking at the core tenets of our faith. And Pastor Mark is going to be bringing that to us from some very tropical locations. So let's all give a round of applause and welcome Pastor Mark this morning. Good morning, celebration, and greetings from South Florida. Deb and I are on the road. We've got a series of events of events over the next several days that's going to be taking us all over the place. So uh, over the next uh, few services, we're going to play a little bit of Where is Waldo? Only Where's Pastor Mark? And uh, hopefully this technology works and you can all see me and, uh, and we can do these services from the road and bring these messages. Again, we're in South Florida. It's really humid. It's like in the 90s and the humidity is unbelievable. I'll probably be sweating like a pig before we're done. And it's just, it's so humid. Imagine the most humid day in Wisconsin and then times it by three. That's really what it's like down here. It's like you're breathing water. It's unbelievable. Uh, so every time people complain about humidity in Wisconsin, we always giggle because you ain't seen Jack until <laughs> you've been down to someplace like this. Unreal hot, humid. There's thunderstorms coming in. Hopefully I will not be struck by lightning. And be destroyed and creepy things all kinds of creepy things around here so out in the grass Deb noticed there were some green things moving around <laughs> she thought they were uh, what do you call those things Little geckos but it turns out they were iguanas but they're baby iguanas then the big iguanas come out these things are like three four feet long with a big iguana head and all creepy and the things on the head and if you hear me scream and run <laughs> like a six-year-old girl it's because one of the iguanas is coming at me so hopefully that doesn't happen. We are uh, doing our study on the Apostles' Creed, uh, going step by step and explaining this, what it is that we truly believe at Celebration Church. And I pointed out last week, there's a difference between what we believe and what we think. There's all kinds of things doctrinally that people can debate, and it's up for debate. And people of good natures and characters can have great hearts and have to come to totally different conclusions about a dozen different things. And we're fine with that. Everybody doesn't have to think exactly the same at Celebration Church. But when it comes to the fundamentals, the things that we talk about in the Apostles' Creed, these are the non-debatables, okay? So, last week, we started with the first part, says we, where we believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator, 
of heaven and earth. And we talked about how we believe God created the heavens and the earth. Then I had fun at the expense of those who <laughs> believe in evolution. <laughs> so there's no bugs in here. <laughs> An evolution. And, you know, made fun of it and stuff like that. But it's just what I think, okay? That's just what I think. We don't care. There are wonderful, really intelligent, highly educated people who love God with all their hearts in our church who absolutely believe that's the way God created the heavens and the earth was through evolution. We don't have a problem with that. I really don't. Uh, all we want to state is that we believe God did it. As long as you believe God did it. Because there's a big difference when you think God didn't do it and we're just all here by accident and we don't really matter and we're just a mistake in the heavens. We're not. And even as long as the evolutionists will admit that according to the biblical, biblical account, even if you think it's just symbolic, that when it came to the creation of man, it was different. Different than all the other animals and stuff like that. We are made in the image of God and God created us as living souls, okay? So a little bit different there. So you can believe whatever you want about creation, how long it took, and all your different theories. We don't have a problem with any about that, anything with that, seriously, despite, despite my haranguing <laughs> over the evolutionists. Uh, we don't have a problem with that, as long as you acknowledge you believe God did it. That's what we believe, okay? And that's a good example of what we believe versus what we think. Because in that message, I told you what we believe, and then I told you what I thought. And we don't have any problem with counter-thinking about how we got there. We would have a problem if you said, I don't think God did this. Okay? I think we've made that clear. So, we're going to pick it up now and uh, continue with the next phrase in the creed. As we're <laughs> on the verge of a thunderstorm here. It says, uh, we believe in Jesus Christ. Now, that's what really sets us apart. Virtually every religion in the world believes in God. And most of them, I believe, thinks God created the heavens and the earth. They have different versions of it. So from that standpoint, we're the same as everybody, all religions. When everybody says all religions are the same, well, they are in a sense in that we all believe in God and that God is the creator of the world in which we live. All right? But then we get to the next phrase where we believe in Jesus Christ. Now there, that changes everything because it's the path to God that people have the big debate over. Uh, you know, Muslims would have a totally different path, Buddhists would have a totally different path, Hindus would have a totally different path. We believe the path to God is found in Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That is the fundamental faith that we have in the belief that Jesus Christ is our key to salvation. So, what is Jesus about? Where does this come from? Well, first of all, we notice that we, we, we mentioned Jesus, uh, as we're going to see in a second here, about the Son of God. Um, we're talking about Him fulfilling the promise of the Messiah. See, since the very beginning, if you look throughout the Old Testament, all the fat part of the Old Testament, you will see there's all kinds of promises where God was saying to the people, look, you guys have messed this up, but I'm going to send someone who's going to straighten it all out. It's called the Messiah. To this day, Jews still believe in the Messiah. We believe it was fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, many of them do not, so the difference there. The Bible says someday, someday they too will agree with us and come to the knowledge of who, who Jesus is. But uh, that's the idea of that Messiah comes from the Old Testament. In fact, we see the very first mention of it in Genesis when Adam and Eve first fell and God looked at the serpent, which is a representation of Satan, and he says this to him. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now notice, he immediately says he 
will crush your head. So he's talking in a general sense, and then all of a sudden God mentions a he, a somebody, who's going to crush the head of the enemy and change things. And then throughout the Old Testament, over and over again, we hear promises of this one that would come to set things right. Uh, in, in the uh, 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 book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah got very specific when he started having visions of the Christ that was coming, who would be suffering for the sins of mankind. We read about that in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, where he says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That's where we get the picture of the suffering Christ. And of course, when Jesus comes, he fulfills all of these prophecies in the Old Testament. In fact, the statistical possibility of one person fulfilling all those prophecies is virtually impossible. In fact, there are many critics who are aware of those prophecies and the fact that the gospel fulfills them, that they come up with the theory that they think that the gospels were written up in a way to make it look like he fulfilled all those prophecies because no one could ever do it. Uh, but he did. It's not made up. Jesus literally, they, these prophets were looking into the future and what they saw was the life of Jesus. Jesus comes and he fulfills that and he becomes the Messiah, the promised one that would set right what has been set wrong when mankind rebelled against God and turned against God. Okay? So, we believe in Jesus Christ. This is the, uh, the, the Messiah that is sent. And again, uh, we believe that He is the way to God. That's where we have a problem with a lot of other religions. They start out and say, well, we all believe in God. True. But you can all get to God your own way. That is not true. And that's where religions have their big debate. We believe the only way to God is through Jesus. Not because we said it, but because that's what Jesus said. If that makes some of you uncomfortable, well, gee, that sounds too, uh, you know, restrictive. Remember, I didn't say it. We didn't make this up. It wasn't some conclave of religious leaders that made this up. Jesus himself said it. That's the importance, the importance and the power of the Messiah. <laughs> You're stepping on your glasses? <laughs> My wife just jumped because some critter <laughs> just landed on her. <laughs> and her glasses went flying, and now she's taking her shoe and killing it. So brave is the redhead back there. Okay, so that's Jesus that we believe in. Again, really what sets Christianity apart. So we believe in Jesus. Um, we believe in Jesus Christ, the Christ, the Messiah, and then his only son. Now, this is a phrase used to describe the fact that Jesus became flesh. God became flesh. And it's also where we get a distinction in the idea of the Trinity that I talked about last week uh, and how we see the idea of a Trinity. Some people say, well, how is that possible? How can God be in three different things? Well, we talked about how just water is the same thing but in three different forms. You've got water, you've got steam, you've got ice. All three totally different things, but yet only the one thing. It is the greatest example in nature of the existence of God and the way God is existing in three different forms. So God himself becomes flesh. So we use the, the word son because it's the closest thing that we can relate to in terms of what happened. Um, John, when he wrote his gospel, the very first chapter, he says the word, talking about Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And then as an eyewitness, he said, we have seen his glory. John was there. The glory of the one and only Son 
who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay? So, Jesus comes, he's born of a virgin, which we'll talk a little bit later about in the Creed. Uh, but this is how God becomes flesh, how he takes on flesh. So people say, well, how can God have a son? Well, it's just God coming in the form of flesh. It's not like he has a son like I had a son or, or some of you have had sons. I mean, my son did not exist until we had the son. Uh, God has always existed in, in, in the full trinity. And when he came into the flesh, to live amongst us, which is amazing when you think about what God did, that he would do such a thing. He took on the form of man, he comes through, and because he was born of a woman, we call him the son of man. Actually, Jesus always referred to himself as the son of man. Uh, we refer to him as the son of God because that's the amazing part. To him, what was amazing is that he was the son of man <laughs> because he was God. He'd always been God from the beginning of eternity. And now he is in this flesh, uh, in Jesus, and refers to himself as the Son of Man. So, we believe in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the way, true way to God. And uh, as his only Son, God's only Son. Now, that's the other thing. People say, well, we're all sons of God. Well, in a sense, that's true. But when we're talking about God coming in the form of Jesus, that's why in John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. It's, it's an unusual situation. This is a special uh, thing that we're seeing here. Uh, he's God in the flesh. It's not like God had to conceive through a woman to create something that wasn't created before. Okay? I hope you're all grasping that. That's why we refer to him as the Son of God because of the human element of it. But he's always been God. He just became flesh. So we believe in him as, as God's only son. And then the third phrase, our Lord. All right? So that's how it goes. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Now I want you to think a little bit about this thing, about Jesus Christ uh, being our Lord. And I think this is where so many people kind of miss it today. When we come to Jesus Christ, you have to come with an absolute attitude of surrender. Whatever he wants is what we do. That's what it means to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Total surrender. And a few Sundays back, you know, I talked about, uh, I think it was over the uh, Labor Day holiday, if you missed that, because a lot of people were on vacation. You ought to go online and listen to it. Uh, how Jesus really demanded from people total and complete surrender. He requires that of all of us. Now, that's not to earn his love. That's not to earn your salvation. You can't buy your way into heaven. It's not about suffering so you can prove something to God. It's just that He is God. And when He says, do something, we're supposed to do it. And if He says, don't do something, we're not supposed to do it. That's what it means when you make Jesus Christ your Lord. Now, the beautiful thing about Christianity is really, compared to any other religion in the world, it's the simplest religion there is. We don't have lots of rules and regulations. All the people have come along over the years, you know, Catholic Church came up with gobs of rules and special holy days and stuff. None of that's in the New Testament. Uh, the vast majority of it's not in the New Testament. There's no special day over one day or the other. And evangelicals have been just as guilty about, well, you can do this and you can't do that. And they come up with all these rules and regulations. The reality is that's not there. Uh, the, what we're required to do as believers is pretty simple. It's very straightforward, uh, easier than really any other religion. Because this is not anymore about 
uh, uh, us doing some kind of religious thing to get God's attention. We already have God. He's living in our hearts. Now we honor Him by doing what He asks us to do or to avoid doing. Okay? And the commands are pretty straightforward. They're not overly complex. For example, love your neighbor. You're supposed to love people. You say, well, that's no big deal. But really, stop and think. Some of your neighbors are really difficult. <laughs> or other people are difficult to love. You know, we know we're supposed to love our neighbor, but then we come up with, yeah, but, you know, they do this, and, and that guy does that, and yeah, but there's this, and, and, and yeah, that guy got to work with is that, and so we got to come up with all these buts that we come up with to try and justify that, well, we don't really have to love our neighbor, that I would, but it's the neighbor's fault that I don't love him. That's not the way this works, okay? You can't make up your own rules. We're supposed to love people. If it was easy, everybody would do it. The fact that it's hard is proof that it's hard. But he, God gives us the strength to do these things. But knowing that Jesus is Lord, we strive to obey that command. Um, when he says, forgive those who hurt you. We just prayed the Lord's Prayer together at your campus, right? Forgive us our sins. We use a fancy word, trespasses. That's what it means. Forgive not, not people who trespass on your property. <laughs> there, there's another trespasser. That's, 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 that's not the word. We really ought to change it. I've talked about it for years. I'll probably never do it. But because the traditional phrase is trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses, meaning our sins, as we forgive those who trespass, not on our property, but who sin against us, who hurt us, who offend us, who tick us off. You're supposed to forgive people. This is one of the commands our Lord gives us. But then the butts kick in. Yeah, but, and, and this person did that, and I tried to forgive him, but, and, and we start explaining why we don't have to do this because of somebody else. Somebody else, if they were nicer, I could do this, or if there was this situation, I could do this. I don't have to do this because of whatever outstanding circumstance. And we hear all kinds of stories in this regard. But the reality is, there are no exigent circumstances that lets you off the hook on this. You have to forgive everybody. You do. Even the meanest, nastiest jerk in your life, you have to forgive. Why? Because our Lord told us to do. And when you start to understand that Jesus is Lord, we surrender and say, okay, we will do what you ask of us to do. Love your neighbor. Uh, forgive people. You know, some other, other little things. I mean, the Bible, New Testament talks about not getting drunk. Okay. Now, it doesn't say you can't drink. It just says you're not supposed to get drunk. And of course, people have varying degrees of what they mean. Oh, I'm a little dizzy. I must be drunk. That's, that's not my vision of drunk. I, I can go on the zipping pippin' at the, <laughs> at the Green Bay. What do you call that place? Bay, Bay Beach. <laughs> and I get a little dizzy. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm drunk. Okay. You know what drunk is when you're hammered. You're not supposed to do that. What do Christians say? Well, yeah, but, and yeah, but we were with friends, and yeah, but we were on vacation. Yeah, but, 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 no, 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 no. You're not supposed to do that. You can have your little sip of this, that, and the other, and enjoy your beverage of choice, but you need to control yourself. And you need to, need to learn to say when. Why? Because the Lord told us to. Now these aren't horribly restrictive things. It's just that we do these things, not because we're trying to earn our way to God, but just because the Lord says it. He's the Lord. He gets the final say. You're supposed to go to church. The New Testament talks about when we gather together, you're supposed to be there. Whoa! Do the butts come out now? Oh, what about this? And I know, but we're here, and yeah, but, you know, I stayed up late, and but this, and I was comfortable in my pajamas, and blah, blah, blah. So we get all kinds of, I'm talking about people that go to celebration church, who come on occasion, once every so many weeks, every few months, some twice a year. One lady the other day, 
told us he comes once <laughs> once a year seriously why do they do this because they don't take the lordship of Jesus very seriously they think well yeah I know I'm supposed to but but don't be that way you need to come and I promise you as I've said many times over the last several months you want your life to be better you come to church every Sunday you come to church on Wednesday night we've been having fabulous Bible studies on Wednesday nights amazing times of opening God's Word and really getting to know the Bible more so than you can even get in a little, a little sermon like this that's where you really get to see this stuff and it's very powerful and I promise you if you do this one year from today your life will be better in fact I virtually guarantee you the people in our congregation who are the healthiest happiest most successful people today are the people who for the last year have been coming virtually every Sunday and every Wednesday night. The ones in our congregation right now who are struggling the most are the ones who don't come to church every Sunday and of course they never come to church on Wednesday night for the Bible studies. I'm telling you guys it's as predictive as the sun rising and setting. You want your life to get better, you do it on purpose. Come to church on Sunday, be here on Wednesday nights. Okay, yeah, but, 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 but. Yeah, we all got our excuses for stuff. But when you, again, when you start to understand Jesus Christ is Lord, we say we believe Him as Lord. That means He has the final say. What He teaches, what is laid out in the teachings of the New Testament. Don't get caught up in the Old Testament. You can always tell people when they're crazy, when they start quoting the Old Testament, trying to make you do stuff. Whenever they say something from the Old Testament, you should immediately start hearing in your head, dee -dee 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 -dee, and just pull back from those people. We live by the New Testament. Good stuff in the Old Testament. And we'll refer to it and we'll teach from it. But when someone says you have to start doing or not doing something because of something said in the Old Testament, whoa, alarm should go off. We live by the New Testament, okay? What else does the New Testament teach? The Gospels, what does Jesus teach? We need to give of our time, our treasure, and of our talent. Yeah, but, but, you know, I, I only have so much time and, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't really want to do it and, uh, you know, we don't want to give our time, we don't want to give our talents, you know, because well, there's other things we'd rather do and, you know, I already play in a volleyball league or what. Listen, if you're in any kind of league that's keeping you from serving God, you need to dump the league and serve God. Why? Because that's what the Lord teaches us to do. Everything changes when you start to understand this. And your treasure, talk about a hot topic there. But you preachers, y'all just trying to get our money. You're just trying to talk us out of our money. I'm not trying to talk you out of anything. It's the Lord who says you should do this stuff. When you start to understand Jesus as Lord, what it really means, when you truly surrender your heart to Him, everything changes and your behavior starts to change. Again, not restrictive religious crazy rules. These are real basic things that we need to do, that the Lord teaches us. And probably one of the biggest ones that people have struggles with today is the area of sexual immorality which pretty much much means any sex outside of marriage now talk about people coming up with excuses then yeah I know we shouldn't but we love each other and and I know but, but there's this and then well we were gonna and we thought we'd eventually get married but 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 boy did the butts come out then all kinds of and I'm talking to a whole bunch of you in my church right now you do this all the time now do I hate you I do not are we going to throw you out into the street? No, we will not. But someday you will have to answer to God. And you're going to have to... I just want to be in the room when you explain to him why you didn't have to do this. Because I'm pretty sure your but this and but this and but that isn't going to hold a whole lot of water. Look, there's no reason for it. You love somebody, you're, a, you know, you're not married, just marry the person. There's no reason for fornicating. There's just no reason for it. 
uh, and uh, on and on. You know, all the reasons that we love each other. It doesn't change anything. I know this, especially the younger ones, this whole millennial generation is convinced that anything goes as long as you love them. No. <laughs> no. Let me be clear. No. That human love does not dethrone Jesus from the throne of God. He teaches us not to do it. In fact, he says, don't even think about it and don't be touching somebody in, in an appropriate way that you're not married to. No thinky, no touchy. No thinky, no touchy. People say, well, pastor, is it okay if we do this? That hey, if it involves thinky and touchy, the answer is no. Look, Jesus says this. And, and this one you need to take to heart as we come to an end here before this storm <laughs> swings me out to this ocean sea over there. Uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Now, just think about that, because a lot of the people who don't make Jesus Lord think they're okay. They know they're not doing what the Bible tells And again, these are very simple things we are supposed to do or not supposed to do. It's not some complex religion. In Christianity, it doesn't matter what you eat, doesn't matter what you wear, doesn't matter how you put your hair, it doesn't matter if you got tattoos or not. We, all that stuff is not... We don't live in it. There's, one day is not holier than the next day. True Christianity, despite whatever church came up with other rules, to the contrary. None of that exists. This is the simplest religion in the world. Love people. Love God. But you have to come to Him. Make Him Lord. Where He has the final say over how you live your life. Because if you will yield your life to Him and live your life the way He wants to live, you will be blessed and you will succeed overwhelmingly. If you don't, and you don't, you, you know, free country, you can do anything you want, you're going to have a difficult time and you're going to struggle. And it could put you in this category of not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Who does that apply to? I don't know. I don't know at what point it gets that serious. My question is, why, why, why mess with it? How about totally surrendering to Jesus? Stop all the but this and but this. And Listen, if you constantly have buts in your head, it, it makes you a butthead. Don't, 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 be, don't be a butthead. Now, my wife's over there grinning. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the most appropriate thing to say, but you'll remember it. You know what's funny about this whole sermon? The one thing you'll remember a week from now is that pastor said, don't be a butthead. Because that, you comprehend. It's like last week. I have gotten more comments, more posts, more emails, more texts, more responses to the fact that I used the word frickin' last week when talking about evolution, that if a frog becomes a chicken, at some point you gotta have a frickin', and there's no frickins, therefore I don't believe in the theory of evolution, as I was teasing the theory, okay? So, today's lesson, last week's lesson, think about the frickins, <laughs> this week's lesson, don't be a butthead. Don't come up with all kinds of buts as to why you don't do what God has asked you to do. Because none of these things is hard. All of these things are really easy to do. But not if you ignore God in your life. Don't think just because you believe in Jesus that you can take out the last part about the Lord and throw it out the window. Because he said, hey, it's all tied together. Not everyone who believes in me and says, Lord, Lord, will get in. What makes him Lord is when we do the will of our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness and your grace. Lord, I thank you for the fact that we can know Jesus, this fulfillment of the glorious Messiah that was promised to come and has come. Lord, that through Jesus we have life in God. 
the forgiveness of sins and the joy of that, that we can know the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, not just in theory but in reality, through our own personal experience in knowing Him through faith. But we need to make Him Lord. I pray, O oh God, help all those who hear my voice this day to learn that as Christians we only really get this right when we surrender, when our life is overwhelmingly dominated by what the Lord instructs us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next time.